Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Um, I guess today is the infamous or famous Jeff Garzik of the crypto world. I've been wanting to talk to Jeff for quite a long time. He's a pretty prominent figure again in the crypto world. So welcome, Jeff. How are you doing? Hi, everyone, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I probably wouldn't speak it as well as you would, so can you let folks know your background, how you got into crypto, and you know, then we'll get into what you're working on today? Sure. So uh, I... Uh think of myself as growing up with the internet uh, when the internet was uh, really uh, just finding its legs in the late 80s and early 90s. I uh, got online. I traded uh, uh, back in the, the distant past. I would, uh, while still in high school, uh, do, do homework of kids that were in college just so that I could get internet access. Um, I uh, was one of the first people to put CNN.com on the web. Uh, I uh, worked over 20 years on uh, the Linux kernel, which is the core of the Linux system, the uh, the part that uh, talks to your hardware. Uh, and so my work is uh, in every Linux data center uh, on the planet, every Android phone, even a lot of traffic lights <laughs> that uh, are uh, directing traffic around the world. I was going to ask you, did you ever rub elbows with any of the old school freakers or hackers like Kevin Mitnick or any of them people? No, no. I was uh, more into the, the sort of maker side of hacking. Uh, I like uh, tinkering, building, whether it's uh, uh, building with wood. I do a lot of carpentry uh, type, type construction. Um, I'm very proud of the concrete sidewalk I'm building behind my house. And it was always about making, whether it's making software, making something. Uh, so uh, I was certainly aware. I did a lot of BBSing uh, in the pre-internet days with modems. Uh, you know, I know uh, so many listeners don't even know what a modem is, much less uh, uh, dialing up to uh, connect to another computer. Uh, but uh, there was there were G files that described freaking and hacking. Uh, back in the 80s. So I was definitely aware of that, but it never held my interest. Right. That's cool. I, I remember dialing into the internet in like 89 at a 300 baud modem that would scroll across the screen just a little bit faster than you could read. So I was kind of back there. That's right. Little... Back in the day, okay. yeah, you put the, uh, you, the sort of the war games picture of putting the actual phone handset onto the computer to make a connection. And uh, it sort of screeches at each other. Those were the uh, Days that I grew up in, 
uh, BBSing, interneting, and then in 2010, I found uh, through uh, newsfornerds.org, uh, a very popular website in the in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, talked about a decentralized digital currency, and uh, I was deep into cloud computing at the time. Uh, this was uh, Linux was really the first uh, cloud computing computer, the first idea that you could do this. Uh, Hundreds of cheap computers could replace a uh, a single million-dollar supercomputer, and it did, and it did it well, and that's what Google and Facebook are based on today. While uh, in the midst of this cloud computing distributed networking, uh, some anonymous individual, Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, described, here's how you can securely run a money supply, a central bank that's decentralized. And that was Bitcoin. And I was a skeptic in July of 2010 when I first uh, discovered Bitcoin. But key uh, uh, pattern sort of repeated itself is just like when I found Linux, I made some changes to the software. And because it was open source, uh, you know, you can peek under the hood, tinker, so to speak. Uh, I sent a patch to Linus Torvalds and he added it to Linux. And oh, wow. those changes live on today. And the same thing with Satoshi and Bitcoin. I sent a patch, a software change to Bitcoin, and Satoshi accepted it. And that's the open source process. Cool. It's all about meritocracy. Did you um, did you ever email back and forth to Satoshi? Or I guess no one's talked to him on the phone, but email. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we interacted uh, over forum posts uh, publicly as well as uh, private email. No one has uh, verbally spoken with him or uh, seen him as far as I'm aware. Do you have any insight into who he might be or if it's a group or an individual or what are your thoughts on it? Well, coming at it from an engineer's perspective, the uh, first version of Bitcoin, the source code, it was uh, Windows only and, uh, you know, myself working on Linux for a competing system for uh, well over a decade, you you learn to spot these things. And so it was obviously someone who's self-taught. It was someone who was uh, very, very smart, but did not have a traditional software engineering background. There were no unit tests, stress tests, the uh, sort of the, the modularity that you would expect of the software by a uh, professionally trained engineer. It was uh, a bit of a hairball of uh, source code. And we've been slowly detangling that hairball as developers over the years since uh, Satoshi left. And so he was self-taught, I believe. I believe it was one person. And uh, the Gizmodo article that uh, talks about uh, a, a gentleman, Dave uh, Kleinekamp, Kleikamp, Kleikamp, uh, the Gizmodo article, uh, that, that's sort of the best candidate, I think, uh, for who it is. In your mind, have you um, have you put it to rest? You know, you just it's okay that maybe Satoshi will never be known, or does it still uh, intrigue you? Uh, for most developers, it's uh, it's less intriguing than it is for non-developers. I think uh, you know we don't spend much time day-to-day -day caring. Uh, it's ultimately uh, it was open source, and the the thing that uh, was so amazing about Satoshi's anonymity was that it put that emphasis on uh, don't trust me, don't take my word for it, don't put any power in my name, look at the source code and convince yourself 
that this thing will work or it won't. And so I think that uh, that was sort of the pinnacle of open source was uh, you're, you don't have a name attached, so you don't have a team. And uh, being a CEO of a company, you know, today it's all about team, team, team. But in open source, you want the opposite. You want it to be all about engineering, all about merit, and nothing about the name. And so I think that number one, being anonymous, and then number two, disappearing, uh, was really sort of the best thing that uh, Satoshi could have done for Bitcoin. It allows communities to uh, take the reins in their own hands and uh, innovate on their own. Well, last question about that, and then we'll move on. Why do you think that um, the the Bitcoin that Satoshi supposedly controls has never moved? You know, how could someone make that choice and leave that much wealth behind, or do you think he had to? Otherwise, he'd be in jail or coin wouldn't exist. Well, uh, if we uh, follow my uh, theory that it's uh, this uh, person in the Gizmodo article, uh, he's dead. And so uh, that's an easy answer for that. Okay, very good. It's been a number of years. What What are you working on lately in you know in crypto? Where's your uh... Where's your focus now and what are you working on and why? Sure. Well, uh, uh, crypto has uh, really exploded in the past uh, few years. And uh, that's uh, really uh, given me a lot of freedom to uh, work on what I want to work on. And, and it's really a blessing that so few people have in this life, right, is to uh, pick your projects and uh, work on what interests you. And so... It's, uh, you know, getting into crypto, it's always been about uh, freeing peoples and freeing nations and very sort of uh, libertarian uh, uh, free market bent to all the projects that we're uh, looking at. Um, when uh, I originally formed Block, uh, which is the company that I currently head, we've got a team of over 25 working on uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, other uh, sorts of projects. Uh, when we first formed Block, we were pitching to investors and we were saying five years down the line, eventually someday, uh, we'll be bootstrapping decentralized systems. We'll be building decentralized financial products. That was a our far off dream. And now that uh, all of this uh, crypto appreciation has uh, appeared, there is so much more opportunity to do that right now. And uh, so uh, uh, Block specifically, it's uh, working on quite a few projects. Uh, one of them literally is uh, out in space. We uh, are working with uh, the Space Chain Foundation to uh, put a blockchain node in space. Uh, we are uh, building a decentralized, uh, sort of an autonomous Federal Reserve a uh, decentralized cryptocurrency where Block and myself don't hold the keys. It's sort of a, uh, a self-governed, self-running uh, smart contract or system. Uh, we're uh, putting together open source computer hardware. We're putting together, uh, we've got another project that is a, uh, a local autonomous AI that uh, helps uh, reduce uh, pollution and increase energy efficiency in a local region. And uh, that's uh, through uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain. So a whole long list of projects, and uh, they're all along that decentralization theme. Can we talk about the, the last one you mentioned? You said the local 
autonomous AI that helps clean up the uh, air quality in a given region? Is that like? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, inspired out of a uh, fiction novel uh, from an author that uh, I recommend everyone read, Daniel Suarez. Uh, he wrote uh, two uh, fictional thrillers, uh, Demon, uh, spelled with the Unix D-A-E-M-O-N, and its uh, successor, Freedom, and they describe something called a holon, which is Greek for, uh, from the Greek holistic, uh, for uh, sort of a whole system or system uh, uh, comprising a whole. And what a holon is, is quite simply, it's a set of metrics well over 100 metrics, such as uh, one metric is air quality, one metric is regional job growth, one metric is how close you are to agriculture and food sources, are, or are you in a food desert? Uh, another metric is how close you are to water. What is that water quality is another metric. These 100 metrics are then fed into a machine learning algorithm which will invest in a particular either company or technology or government, or uh, it will directly subsidize uh, certain actions that will benefit that region as a whole. And so, for example, and this is a bit of a, uh, an uh, exaggerated example, but uh, this AI may pay you to put Elon Musk's solar tiles on your house because that will increase the energy efficiency of that region. Or maybe it'll uh, match you dollar for dollar, so it's uh, you get a 50% discount. So this AI directs local monies and local economies to reduce pollution, to increase water quality, to increase uh, local food production quality, et cetera. It's very exciting. Very interesting. Um, do you think people would allow allow an AI to tell them what to do with their resources and when? You know, what, what criteria would be necessary for uh, people or even governments to listen to an AI? No, that's a, that's a great question and, and really the foundational one, isn't it? Is uh, from a philosophical perspective, uh, you know, I'm very uh, pro-choice, pro-free uh, market, and so this system is uh, really opt-in. And uh, you opt in by using some of the, the uh, regional cryptocurrency that uh, the AI uses as one of its foundational currencies. And so you, I live in Atlanta, and uh, so the Atlanta AI would pay me in uh, Atlanta coin. And, uh, but it's not like an, an ICO like you hear about in all the headlines. It's uh, purely something that's uh, pegged to, say, the U.S. dollar or the Japanese yen or whatever your local currency is so that prices don't fluctuate. It's a stable coin in, uh, in the parlance. Um, so you get uh, these sort of opt-in type questions. So if you're the mayor, you get to choose, well, do I want to surrender all my autonomy to an AI? It's okay to answer no. You get that choice. You have that freedom. Skipping over to another subject, you mentioned uh, putting a node in space, and I wanted to ask you about that. I've, I've talked to um, Nexus Coin. Uh, they want to do, you know, some, you know, a blockchain in orbit, um, and now you're talking about it. There's been a few others. What What are some of the benefits, you know, for listeners? Why would that be uh, helpful instead of just having uh, computers on the ground? Well, uh, coming at it from a uh, space perspective, 
one of the things that's very difficult to do in space is uh, something called multi-tenant. And uh, what that means is that uh, if you consider your computer, your, your MacBook, uh, your laptop uh, in space, it's essentially one CPU, one computer, one piece of something. And uh, it, the task to allow multiple people to share a satellite is a very, very difficult one from an engineering perspective because you have to uh, figure out what uh, the cloud computing guys figured out a long time ago, which is how to safely sandbox one application from another so that uh, when I'm running a program on the satellite and you're running a program on the same satellite, neither program can uh, take uh, disable that spacecraft. It's, uh, it's so difficult to get something out in space that uh, the way insurance works, the way uh, satellite operators work, you have to jump through a ton of hoops, a ton of paperwork. Basically, uh, no one's allowed to actually touch the satellite. And what blockchain is, if we uh, take away all the marketing, if we take away all the, uh, the headlines, etc., blockchain is a hyper-secure database that the database administrator cannot forge new entries to that database. And every change to that database has a digital signature attached to it. So if we look at it from that lens, we have Ethereum. That's a computing platform where every change to that computing platform has a digital signature attached to it. Someone signed off on that change. The same value can be brought to satellites is we can take that blockchain software and that high security, that crypto security that comes with it, and now we can run multiple applications on a satellite true multi-tenant, which is something the satellite industry hasn't had before. And so it's kind of like a your mobile app has sandboxes that prevent one app from interfering with another on your smartphone. We just did the same thing a few days ago with uh, Space Chain. It's essentially a space-based platform for apps. And what we want to do is make that available to every techie, every university student, so that they can surprise us with what you can do if you have direct access to a satellite. Yeah, I had thought it was uh, to, you know, make any given blockchain even more decentralized and out of the hands of any one particular government uh, from being able to shut down all the nodes and, you know, stop the network. Yeah, it's, uh, there, are, there are a lot of potential use cases that people talk to us about. Uh, there are some uh, high net worth financial traders that uh, want to use it as a uh, messaging system so that their messages are not going through any terrestrial uh, channels. Um, there are some uh, people who want to store data up there as sort of a uh, an Elon Musk style, uh, you know, backup for humanity. Uh, so that's that's a little bit more in the science fiction side. There are a lot of experiments with uh, remote sensing. Uh, that's a fancy word for taking pictures with the satellite camera. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, it's very expensive time for scientists on the ground to uh, get that. And so making that available on a time slice basis is uh, something that's uh, a real customer market today. So uh, by creating this multi-tenant platform, uh, you know, again, just like loading a, a new app on your mobile phone, 
if we make it that easy and that secure, then we can enable all of those use cases uh, that I just listed and more. Very interesting. Okay. And then um, one thing I wanted to ask you, I, I hope it's okay, but um, it seems like sometimes, uh, you know, the, the crypto community is not so favorable to you and, you know, attacks you and you have to be this voice, you know, comes out with uh, – that talks about your own positions, but I guess, you know, like it or not, it seems like you've been made into a controversial figure at times. You know, why do you think that is, and what's your reaction to what's been going on in the in the crypto world, you know, particularly with Bitcoin, and how has it affected you? No, that's uh, specifically with a subset of uh, some of the Bitcoin uh, community. Uh, they uh, have sort of organized uh, troll parties that uh, ramp up yep. on any particular subject. Uh, it wasn't just me. Before me, there was a uh, a uh, political campaign uh, called the UASF, which uh, they they made hats and people flew around the world and and uh, you know threw online arrows at people who did not like this UASF concept. And uh, I was just sort of the next in line. So uh, coming from the Linux, uh, you know, space, uh, there were tons of flame wars in Linux. And you just have to sort of, you know, the, <laughs> the, the term is uh, wear your asbestos underwear. Is uh, there, are, there are flames and always uh, critics. Typically, they don't know the inside story. Uh, they're not very well informed. And uh, right. people love to throw arrows. That's just sort of Twitter today. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you have that long-term perspective and it's nothing new to you and it doesn't seem to, you know, I guess at first glance you seem to be okay with it. So that's good. Glad to hear that. You know, About that, radical that transparency is, uh, you know, I, I say what I, I feel and uh, people are, uh, you know, sometimes they don't like people uh, who are just open and honest and uh, say what they think. So um, maybe that gets you in trouble. But uh, at least you're not hiding anything. That's my philosophy. Radical transparency. It's like open source. Well, very good. Um, tons more to ask you, but uh, you know we're we're pretty much running out of time. So, uh, for people that want to get in contact with you or learn more about Block and all the applications you're working on, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, block.com. B-L-O-Q.com. And uh, we have. Uh, Sort of two sides of the house. One of them is a, a Red Hat-like uh, software product, Block Enterprise, and the other is Block Labs, and that's where a lot of the interesting stuff uh, you'll find is listed. Okay, very good. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on the podcast, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.